Welcome to Half Finished to Done, a podcast for passionate business owners like you who are ready to stop procrastinating and start finishing all of your half-done projects. I'm your host, Christina, and I'm looking forward to helping you finish your projects in a calm, sustainable way using a simple, repeatable process. All along the way, we'll be working through the mental, emotional, and logistical obstacles that are standing between you and extraordinary projects. Let's get into it. All right, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I am super excited to have one of my coaching colleagues, Sarah, on the podcast today. So Sarah, tell us about yourself and your work. Hello, Christina. I'm Sarah Yost. I am an emotions coach, mostly for ADHD type people. That's my work. I'm endlessly fascinated by our internal life and I've been coaching for 12 years and I've found that really addressing and processing what's happening inside makes everything outside about a thousand times easier. I really like that you said the internal world. And I think for anyone who's like, emotions, I don't know. I'm already scared. I don't want to do this. I'm like, yeah, it's just your internal world. It's just what's happening inside. Just all the stuff. Just all the stuff in there. Just all the stuff inside. Yeah. Okay. I call you the emotions queen. I'm like, if you want to talk about emotions, you have to talk to Sarah. So we have talked about emotions a lot on the podcast, but I think that you're going to add probably more nuance, more perspective, and that lens of the ADHD. So even for anyone who doesn't identify as having ADHD or thinking you have it, still tune in for that emotions piece. Yeah, because I'm just talking about like that type of brain, the type of brain that's maybe disorganized, scattered, that would listen to a podcast on procrastination. That's not your linear, I get shit done every day, very easily kind of person, I'm guessing. So whether you have a diagnosis or not, whether you have autism or some other, maybe you're just in perimenopause, whatever's causing it, if you're a little bit of a freak show, I got you. I love it. I'm like, normalized freak showness. Let's do it. <laughs> so tell me more about why you wanted to come here on the podcast. So like you said, you're speaking to the people who are already here listening, who want help getting projects done. Why is this so important to you? Because it's the hardest thing in the world. Like, how do you get this thing out of your head into the world? I mean, listen, I don't think this is exactly what you coach on, but I'm just going to say, if you're somebody that can't find your damn keys regularly, you can't find a phone charger, like you just can't do basic shit. How do you have a self-concept that says, yeah, and I've got this book that I want to write and I've got this program I want to launch. I have this business I want to run. I'm going to say, listen, everybody listening, I want you to take a deep breath. I'm just going to, I would never say this to you. How do you live up to your potential? Oh my God. It's the scariest thing. There's so much brilliance inside, so much creativity. And how do you get that into the physical world? For some of us, just dealing with the physical world is incredibly difficult. I'm talking about like, just keeping your ducks in a row, your basic ducks your body clean and some clean clothes and your keys and groceries and this, like all that basic stuff is really difficult. And if that's hard and you have this brilliance inside of that you want to get in the world, it's like, it feels impossible. It's not impossible. I know how, but it feels impossible. And it's incredibly important to me that people, well, really all humans, but people like us are able to live life on their own terms. I've been trying to live on other people's terms forever enough. You touched on two really important things that I want people to hear is the first is those little quote unquote things that happen in your day to day. 
are reflective of the bigger patterns, right? So losing the keys, losing the charger, not being able to find things. Those are the little moments or not showing up on time to things. Like I deal with a lot of issues around punctuality with my clients. Those are all things that are little indicators that there's probably other stuff happening below the surface. So that's the first thing. For sure. And the second thing is, I like what you said about there's this disconnect between your internal world and your external world. So it's like bubbling up inside you. And again, even for people who don't identify with ADHD, I talk to clients like this all the time. They're like, I don't even have half-finished projects. I just have a ton of ideas that I know are genius that feel completely stuck inside of me with no way of getting out. Yeah. My word of the year this year was expression because of that. I wanted to feel expressed. It was like, I got to the point where it was like, I'm not even like shoulding myself. I'm not saying I should do this. I'm saying I can't live with this anymore. I need a place to put this idea, this brilliance, this thing that happens inside my brain, all that energy. So what do you think that people are missing in the narrative around being a creative, passionate person and feeling like that's not expressed in the world? What do people not understand about that yet? Like everything. (laughs) I mean, it's like almost too broad. I don't know. Like it's hard and it's hard for a good reason. And mostly because you're trying to do it the way that somebody else taught you to. And that doesn't work for most of us. What do we do with that? First of all, it's a little tricky because there are skills. So the skills of managing your time and your tasks and your physical environment and getting places on time or at a time that you want to, the way that we function, those are actually skills. I love to teach them as skills and I love to think of them as skills because it drops the shame. It's like, I'm not a bad person because I can't. It's There's a skill missing. The skill of teaching my brain how to hold three things in it at once. It's called working memory. People with ADHD and other things have an issue with working memory. If it's hard to remember more than one thing at a time, and then you have to write everything down, but then you have to like find the thing to write down. It's like, it's really difficult. So you're saying it's a skill set. So I want to emphasize this difference. It's the difference between something being a skill set versus an inherent quality. So the example I thought of when you were talking is it's not about being an organized person as a quality. It's about the skill of organizing. Right. And so what I was starting to say, I guess the point I was starting to make with this was it's a little tricky because there are skills to learn. And you teach a really important skill set of how to manage a project, how to pick a project, how to stick with a project, how to do it when you don't want to, how to find time to do, you know, all of the things that I know you teach, those are all skills, but those are all skills that creatives need to learn. And you need to learn how to do them in a way that is completely in integrity with you. And that's where it gets tricky because when you don't have any experience or you don't have an inherent skill set around managing time and tasks, and then someone's teaching you how to do it, there's an assumption that you're bad for not knowing how to do it. And the other person is good. There's a real like hero complex that happens for people with ADHD. When people have their shit together and we don't have our shit together, we will often defer in a way that's very childish. Like, I don't want to deal with it. You deal with it. And you just tell me what to do. And then, and then the person learns the skill set, but they don't actually match it with, but does this 
way of applying this skill actually work for me? Is there another way of applying this skill that would work better for me, for who my unique brain in the world? When you were talking about that, my brain went to that phrase of learned helplessness, where when you're in an environment and you are adopting somebody else's tools and philosophies and methodology without running it through your own integrity, you go, okay, well, sometimes it works. I guess they were right. And then you further discredit your own internal knowing. Okay. So I saw this thing on Facebook the other day. It was a a video of somebody demonstrating the learned helplessness experiment. Many of us have heard of it. I'm going to remind you of it because you probably haven't heard of it like since college. So let me just spell it out because I was like, whoa. And then I had an experience with somebody right afterwards. I want to talk about that because I love that you said that. So this woman in this classroom, she gave half the class. So she gave them the task of three words that she wanted them to turn into anagrams. She gave half the class three words that were, you could turn into anagrams change the letters around and make them into another word is what I mean. And the other half, she gave two words that were impossible. You couldn't do it. And then the third word you could. And so what happened with the group that got the two that were impossible was they gave up. They didn't do the third one. And then she asked them, what was that like for you? What did you think? And what they all thought was they felt rushed. They felt stressed. They felt like something was wrong with them. They felt stupid. They felt less than. They all assumed, all the people that spoke up assumed, and this is inherent in learned helplessness, they assumed if I can't do this, there must be something wrong with me. No one assumed if I can't do this, maybe there's something wrong with the task. Maybe the system I'm living in is broken. Maybe what I'm asking myself to do is untenable and ridiculous. We never look outside of us. We just assume I must be the problem. So I watched this and I was blown away by it because I was like, okay, every single ADHD person in the entire world thinks that they're the problem when they can't do something that's hard. They never question the task. So right after that, I had an experience with um, somebody, we had talked about a, a time to do something. I did not confirm, yes, let's do it at that time. I just was like, can you? And then I just assumed we were going to do it and went on about our way. I never closed the loop. I never actually said, okay, that will work for all of us. Never followed through. Basically, I never gave them a time. So then I text them and say, hey, we're going to do this thing at this time today. And they immediately spun out, assumed that they miscalendared, they couldn't be trusted. They were in cognitive decline. They were incapable of this business. That, I mean, they really spun out, incapable of being successful. And they told me all this stuff. And I said, well, that was my mistake. And it's interesting because you know me. Like my calendaring skills are not stellar. The idea that you would assume that I was right about something like this and you were wrong, it just shows how much we internalize and personalize these things. This is so funny. I'm like, oh, that's why I learned helplessness was on my mind. It was literally your video on your post. So, or that video on your post. So that's great. (laughs) Right there in my memory. So thank you for telling that story though. So this happens all the time in my program too, is like, if I mess up a date or if I mess up a deadline, something like that, my clients will automatically assume that they're in the wrong. And it's so fascinating because I'm like, I make a lot of mistakes. Like I move really fast and I make a lot of mistakes and I'm really imperfect, which I've just adopted as part of my self-concept. I'm like, yeah, 
I'm creating so much value that there's going to be tons of typos. <laughs> I'm like, you should for sure just expect them. But you're right. It's so interesting to watch other people react to that and be like, oh, I clearly got it wrong. Yeah. And so what happens is, and I think this is why I know we'll talk about, and maybe we'll talk about it right now, maybe we'll talk about it a little later, but I, I do want to say that the experience of living in the world, if this kind of stuff is hard for you, it creates an enormous amount of shame. And that is an ongoing trauma. Being different in the world, being different than your peers is an ongoing trauma. So I do not ascribe to the school of thought that says that trauma happens with traumatic events. There is a school of thought that count, it's called your ACE score. It counts adverse childhood experiences. And there's a lot of validity to that, but it is not the only way to look at trauma. And it is not the only school of thought. There's another school of thought that I ascribe to, which is what happens in our body as a result of our experience in the world is just a constant sort of ongoing trauma, a constant shaming, a constant othering, a constant, you are different and you are wrong and you are in trouble and you are late and you are the mess and you are the one who is distracted and you are the problem. And there is an enormous amount of shame around that, just living in the world. And if you have all this brilliance inside of you, and then you hire Christina, and you join this program, and you want to do a project, then you are faced with a lifetime of shame and trauma, which is completely illogical. That is the nature of a traumatic response is that it is illogical. It does not make sense. It's out of proportion. It's ridiculous. If you think that you overreact, yes, that's probably trauma. If you think that you underreact, also probably trauma. <laughs> so it is enormously difficult from an emotional or internal perspective to just do stuff when every time you've done it before, it's been terrible and shameful and traumatic. I want to talk about this because you said something to me, which has just stuck with me ever since you said it, which is you said your program half finished to done live probably unintentionally activates people's shame. hundred percent. Why did you say that? Because this is so worth digging into. Here's what I imagine happens is people, they feel compelled. They feel inspired by something inside of them, something that they see in the world, something they want to create. And then they feel compelled to do something about it. And they find you and you're like, hey, I actually know how to do this. It's really simple. This is how you apply all these skills. I don't think that's your language. That's what you teach is yeah. the skills of getting a project done. And it's real simple and you can totally do it. If you just, it's going to be different for you this time because you're going to do it this way. And then they go, oh my God, yes. They take that, you know, that combination of, inspiration, compulsion, and a solution that's really simple. And they do that. They make that decision to join your program and they learn from you in a body state that is calm, a body state that is not riddled with trauma. Because when you're sitting next to me, whether it's through the computer screen or just via a lesson or whatever, when you're sitting next to me and you're going, Hey, you can do this. I got you. There's a magic that happens body to body. So then the person going through the program is not in a trauma state, by which I mean their nervous system is not activated. So essentially, we operate, I'm going to say something that is not 100% scientifically accurate, but it is accurate enough for any lay person to get through the world. So please do not come at me with your nervous system corrections. 
because what I'm saying is true enough. All right. We operate essentially in one of two states. We are either home, which is calm, aligned. If you listen to Abraham, you might call it Abraham USA. I have a client that calls it Abraham USA. Home, alignment, calm, feeling like yourself. That state of being centered and grounded, that's when your nervous system is not seeing danger. The nervous system has one job, which is to keep us alive. And it does that by detecting danger. And the dangers happen in lots of illogical ways that don't make sense to our logical mind. And then when it detects the danger, it's going to do one of four things to come back home. It's always trying to come back home or homeostasis. Okay. It's always trying to, it's just going to do one of four things. It's going to do, it's going to fight. It's going to flight. It's going to freeze, or it's going to fawn. A lot of you have heard at least the three states, if not fawning, there's four strategies to get back home. That's all you're ever doing. You're either home or you're trying to get back home. So when you are, so back to when you've got somebody going, Hey, you can do this. I got you. Here's how it's really simple. You feel calm. You feel like it's possible. You're not activated. There's no danger because you have a plan. You have a plan that looks simple and looks like you can follow it. So all of that feels really safe. This is like, sorry, I'm like thinking of the one day kickoff event. I'm like, this is literally what it is. On the one day kickoff event, you feel like you're at home. Totally. And everybody's like, oh my God, oh my God, it's going to work this. Oh my God, it's going to be different this time. That's because in the one day event, your nervous system is at ease. Your nervous system is ease. And then you leave that. And now there's a bigger disparity. Before, you didn't think you were going to be able to do it anyway, so it doesn't hurt that bad when you don't. It's just like another day in paradise. But now, you've had the one-day event. Everything is possible. Your brain is popping. You feel more brilliant than you felt in years because it's actually going to come out. You can actually see it. You can see it. You can taste it. And then, you're going to get in there and you're going to do those things, like sit still for 10 minutes, make decisions, go out in the world. There's a million dangers that happen in front of a computer screen with a project. And then your body goes haywire trying to get you back home. So your nervous system detects danger and then weird things happen. And here are the things that you probably experience the most. And I want you to really think of them as nervous system responses. You no longer ever have to coach or self-coach on anything that happens during a nervous system response. I just saved you 90% of your self-coaching work. All you have to do is get yourself back home. You need to recognize that your nervous system is activated and calm your ass down. And then everything's going to be fine. It's not the entire story, but that's like a lot of it. So let me tell you what's going to happen is you're going to sit down and you're probably going to freeze. And what happens in a freeze state, this is the most common in this type of scenario. It's not the only one, but it's the most common. What happens in a freeze state is your brain is confused. It's discombobulated. It's fuzzy. You don't have very much cognition. You don't have access to your intelligence. You're confused. You doubt yourself. What made sense five minutes ago doesn't make sense anymore. That's not because you're stupid and it's not because it's a bad idea. It's because your brain literally is not operating. So here's how I I explained it to my kid who was doing math. Like, here's your brain. You can't see it. Anyway, I'm making like a big ball. Here's your brain. It's popping. It's full of intelligence, full of juice. All the things that happen in one day event. And then as soon as you do something where your brain feels danger, it just goes smaller, 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 smaller. And then you're operating completely deficient. It's like trying to do something when you're starving. I mean, you 
you literally can. It's just so hard. And that's what happens with your brain. You're starving your brain of intelligence by being in an activated state, by being afraid. Now, most coaches say, do it anyway. I say, no, you don't. Do not do it anyway. It just re-traumatizes you. Calm yourself down until your brain is back online. You do that as many times as you need to. I want to say, because I'm like, I want to be clear for anyone listening. I do not say do it anyway. And I think you know that. And for anyone who knows my style, I'm like, absolutely not. I will always say when a client comes to me and I can tell that they're in heightened nervous system, right? Heightened emotions. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're going to do the feeling work first, always. And I have, when I say the feeling work, I'm like, there's a literal worksheet that I teach you how to do. So this isn't like you flying blind trying to feel your feelings. I think that's super important for people to know. So just wanted to say that. Thanks for saying that. I, and many people think I'm not even that scared. I'm just a little confused. You may self-advocate for yourself like, okay, I'm like super freaking out. I can't do this. But what about when you're a little confused? I still would say, calm yourself down till you're not confused. Because that's just a signal that your brain is working or not working. Okay, so one thing is freezing. Now, the thing that goes along with this, this is part of a fight response. And that is the negative chatter that happens. Your brain just goes haywire. You don't ever need to self-coach around what your brain is saying in this state. You just need to calm down and it'll stop. It's just a reaction. It's not real. The other things that you may experience is a super avoidance, flight running away. I got to go. I got to go. Some energy. I got to just run. I got to gotta do this. I got to do that. That's flight. That's a flight response. Or fawning. You may want to accommodate or people please or pretend or smile or act like everything's okay. And then you may just cycle through those constantly while you're sitting down trying to enter a work block. It's really hard. So you go from this, this super pop in one day event, and then you sit down And then your entire system is on fire with fear, with danger that may not even make sense to you. You may not even know what you're afraid of. You're like, I'm just checking my email. It's fine. But your body doesn't think it's fine. Yeah. And I want to, again, draw the attention back to what you said, which is that now it's this even sharper contrast than it was before. Before you were like, there's a disconnect before where you're like, I have high hopes, but I feel like I'm not meeting them. But now you're like, my hopes were even higher. And now I'm really not meeting them. Now that contrast felt, feels so painful. And then if there's any pressure, like I'm only in this program for so long, I only have Christina for so long, you add pressure, that's more danger for most people. Even though people, listen, we think we work better on a deadline and sometimes we do, but most people will find that a deadline is helpful once you have momentum. It's not great for getting started. It's not great for creating momentum. It does help once you're in motion. It really does. And I think it's great to add a deadline, to have a deadline, to have you know a container so that you don't just la 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 forever. But too much of one is too much danger to operate in. Okay. So let me ask you this because I want everyone to be listening to this episode and being like, okay, this is super valuable information mm-hmm. as you go into the program, just to understand this is yes. likely or not, not even likely it's possible that this happens because this doesn't happen for everybody. But let's say this does happen for you in the program, right? You come in, you have that energy, that excitement yeah. on the one day kickoff, or even after just enrolling, then you hit that lull, which mm-hmm. I call in the program, the Valley of despair. And I do mm-hmm. teach my clients about this upfront, but let's say you hit that Valley of despair. Then you're in that fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. 
And we're going to tie that back to the learned helplessness, right? That's a place where the learned helplessness is likely to happen because you're like, well, I'm stuck. I'll defer to Christina. Yeah. What should I do? What should I do? Just tell me what to do. Yeah. You knew what to do in the one day kickoff. Just tell me. Can we give the people a little bit of hope? Yeah. Like as soon as you calm down, you're going to know what to do. Okay. I love this. When you say you just need to calm down, what does that mean? How does somebody just calm down? I mean, that's a great question. And I don't, (laughs) I don't want to be dismissive because I hate, you know, I hate that. I've certainly been in relationships where I was not calm and they said, calm down. And I said, fuck off. So that's not what I'm saying. I'm just talking about the science of when your nervous system calms down, your brain works again. It is just that simple. So I was sitting with my kid who has ADHD, a lot of it, a lot of ADHD. And we were doing math, which is terrible. And we're doing math and they started to melt down. And I gave them, you know, I was teaching this analogy and I said, Hey, I can see this is getting really hard for you. Do you want to, you want to take a breath? And they didn't want to, but they had seen that it worked. It had worked a few times. And so they turned around and they pet the dog, which is their favorite strategy for, for calming their system. They pet the dog and then they leaned on me, which was sweet. They don't always do that. I'm not always a great resource for them in that way as the dogs are. They pet the dog and they, they leaned on me and we laughed for a minute. And then we got back to math and then their brain worked again. But what I said was, hey, I, this looks harder for you than it was a little while ago. Maybe you need a little break. Maybe you're getting stressed out. So I just want to give you that illustration. So what I mean by calming down is anything that takes your your brain out of alert. I don't like, a lot of people advocate, and I think it just depends on, on people's brains. Some people connect with thinking their way down and some people don't. I don't personally. I prefer to do body stuff because my brain is so discombobulated. I can't trust it. I don't know what to think to get myself down. It's like, I don't know how to press this button. I don't know how to find the right sentences to say to myself in that state. It's just not a thing that works for me. I know it does for some people. So if you're frozen, what works is moving your body, literally moving your head. You don't want to stretch it too much because you don't want to put yourself in any stress. Literally don't stretch. Don't stretch, just move. So you want to do things like enlarge your field of vision. So literally Turn your head and take in more vision. Show yourself. So here's the thing is your body, like everything narrows when you're in danger because you're just looking at the danger. Incidentally, if you're on a screen all the time and you're narrowly focused on a screen, your body thinks that you're in danger and it will create anxiety to meet it. So another plug against scrolling for hours, just in case you needed one. Anyway, you want to enlarge your field of vision is one way of doing it. You want to just, I call this my patented breaststroke. You just literally move your arms like in a breaststroke, like just, just a couple times. Do that, move your head around. And you do that in order to show yourself that it's safe to move. It's like, hey, look, you're just, it's just a living room. Just, you're actually safe. You tell yourself that. You could go for a walk if you need to, but you don't have to. You can literally just sit there, move your head a couple times, take a breath, touch yourself just engage with your body. And that, just that very little, I'm talking like 45 seconds, will get your brain popping again, or it'll get you closer. And then maybe you can think, maybe you can be like, wait, why am I so freaked out about? And you can ask yourself a question. Oh, okay. And you can talk yourself down. 
Does that answer your question well enough? I have lots of practices, but that's kind of the simplest and the best for a freeze is just move. And if you're literally frozen, sometimes I'll talk to people and they literally can't move their arms around. It's too much. Okay. Can you blink? Can you flare your nostrils? Can you lift a finger? Like meet yourself wherever you are. I never want you to do more than you can do. And just because it seems ridiculous that moving your arms is too much to ask, it's fine. We always meet you where you are. You can always meet yourself where you are and just walk your way back home one little step at a time. No, you totally answered. I think this is really helpful for people to have the actual practical application. Yes. I'm hearing people. I can always hear. I'm like, I know what they're thinking right now. There is a portion of people, maybe not as you're listening, but in the moment where your thought will be, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to slow down and take a deep breath. Right. To walk us through what happens when you don't. It just gets worse. It just gets worse. Now, for a very long time, I was very against, and I'm still a little iffy. I just always feel like I need to caveat a million different ways because I was so, I listened to people. I mean, I've been in this space for a long time. I was a massage therapist and a yoga teacher and a meditation teacher before I ever was a life coach. I mean, since 1997, literally, I've been in the space of decreasing stress one way or another. And for, it just seemed like taking a breath just seemed like such bullshit. Like, I don't need a breath. I need a planner. I don't need a breath. I need to do it. Like a breath, like I don't need to calm down. I need to amp up. Look at me. I can't move. So as I say this, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to sell you on the concept that it's not a deep breath that's going to get you there. It's a deep breath that's going to get you to your brilliant popping brain that's going to get you there. I'm not suggesting you lay around with cucumber slices on your eyes and think that's going to work. I'm suggesting that you do whatever it takes to feel like yourself again, and then things are easy. That's what I'm suggesting. I just know when I'm, when we're recording, I know when we found the audiogram clip and I'm like, it's not right there. I don't need a breath. I need a planner. I said every self-proclaimed procrastinator ever. I freaking love that. And I love what you said about like, this is literally just getting your brain back online. That's it. That's what we're talking about. And then you can come to me and we can have a project plan and we can do all of those skills, but you cannot implement the skills when you are freaking out. It just cannot happen, ever. Think of it like Wi-Fi. If you don't have a signal, you do not have internet. Move your phone around, hold it in the air. I know you've all done it, everyone listening. You've all held your phone in the air to get a signal. You've all moved to the other side of the room to get a signal. It doesn't matter if you don't have time. You don't have internet, so it doesn't matter if you don't have time. Get a fucking signal and get on with your life. That's why. We breathe and move and do all that. I'm literally pumping my fist in the air for everyone who's not watching a video. I'm just so enthusiastic about this. And you know, what I'm most excited about about this is I knew that you would have a really valuable perspective. Obviously, that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast. I was, let's say, very, very mildly concerned that we were going to have conflicting opinions. Ooh, what do you think we were going to conflict on? I thought you were going to be more like don't do stuff and just sit around and feel. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like I know that that's not obviously what you preach, but I'm like, there's a part of me that's like, okay, but like, we still want to get stuff done. Like we're still here to get stuff done. No, of course. Yeah. Okay. I feel great. <laughs> yeah, of course. No, 
Listen, I love to feel. It is literally, I am endlessly fascinated. I will literally spend an entire night processing my emotions. I do not expect anyone in the universe to do that. I know that that is like the geekiest thing. It's like somebody who's into model airplanes and they're like, yeah, I spent all day building model airplanes and everybody else is like, okay. I understand that. I don't expect anybody to do that. If you want to, I'm here for it. I'll show you all around. But people listening are like, no, I need, I don't need a breath. I need a planner. I don't need to feel I need to do. And the breath is the way to the plan. Yes. It's just, we're just trying to get your brain and that's one way to do it. Yeah. Okay. This is so good. So there's two directions I'd love to go in. The first thing is I want to go back and close this loop on why shame comes up for people in the program. So you've articulated it super well. You come in with these high expectations because you're flying high Then you hit the valley of despair, the shame hits, then you look around and you go, everyone else is posting wins to the winds channel. It's me. I'm the problem. And so then the extreme scenario, let's just play this out. The extreme thing is you go, fuck this. I'm clearly made the wrong decision. And then you quit. And that happens through ghosting. Like I literally have clients, like it's a small portion, but there are people who just stop showing up or you mini quit which is like you slowly disengage. And I will tell you the sneakiest way that this happens is that stuff mysteriously starts showing up in your life. And it's real things. I'm not saying you're making it up. It's very real things. But all of a sudden you're like, I can't make it to the call because like my boss needs something from me. So like I have to be on that new call. And then you don't come to the coaching call. Or you're like, I really wanted to do the homework, but like I couldn't make the deadline because like my my daughter really needed emotional support that day. And then there's these slow and subtle justifications for not showing up to the program anymore. And I like to just say that. I'm like, that happened. And it happens frequently enough that I know this is a phenomenon. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, yeah, of course. I don't know. I agree. What do you want me to speak to? Like, (laughs) ask me another question. You're like, yeah, obviously, duh. Yeah. (laughs) But I do think... (laughs) Here's one thing that I do want to say. So there's this weird thing. So there's this book called The Big Leap, which everybody thinks is about self-sabotage. It is not. I thought so too. I was wrong. I recently reread it and I realized what he's talking about, for people who don't know, is one of the things, he talks about two important concepts, but one of them is upper limits. And what he, he makes a case for when we are too successful, when we are more successful than we think, when we reach our capacity, our limit of success, we start what I thought sabotaging. We get sick, like for real, we get sick, we get in an accident, we lose money, we have these things happen. And it's like, I didn't make this happen. No, literally my kid's school called me. What do you want me to do? Like, I would not do that. It didn't happen all the time. And there's a really weird phenomenon of weird things happening in the world just about the time we're about to be successful. Part of that is magic. I don't know what that is. I don't know how the universe conspires in that way. But another thing that happens is our nervous system, it is stressful to be successful. It is stressful to do something we've never done before. It is stressful to have a windfall of money. It is stressful not just to win the lottery, but to have a really successful launch. All those great things are stressors on our nervous system. And when it takes us out of homeostasis, it feels like danger. And so our nervous system is going to go to work, one of four strategies, to get us back home or to homeostasis 
or to sameness. We're going to get rid of the money. We're going to have an accident. We're going to somehow bring that into balance. So this isn't a book about self-sabotage. It's a book about the capacity of the nervous system. And so the more you can work with your nervous system and find safety and find a way to ground and anchor and, and do all that, the less weird shit's going to happen in your life. So that's one thing. This happened to me about three weeks ago. Everything was going well, like really. And then it started hurting real bad, like real bad. I started suffering in a lot of ways. And I was like, that's why I said I just reread the book. I was like, this is weird. This doesn't quite make sense. So there is that phenomenon. But then what you're talking about with the micro quits, and I don't, I don't think that's exactly what you're talking about, but I do want to acknowledge that that is a thing. And if you are aware of that and you think that maybe you want to be doing this project or this thing, but other things are getting away and you don't really want it to, and you're curious about it, I would consider showing yourself in whatever way makes sense to you that you are safe to succeed. It is safe to succeed. And we can talk about some of the fears associated with that if you think it's important. But the other thing is, with the micro quitting, you know, if you think of that from through the lens of the nervous system, that's avoidance. I don't want to deal with that. So let me just, I'll just do this. I'll do that later. It's just avoidance. And I would expect it. And so when it happens, you'd be like, oh, right, of course, that's on brand, which I know you warn people. So I totally do. Right. So we call it the valley of despair. I teach it. And I love your thought. It's on brand. I say sometimes I'm like, oh, right on time. They're like, I'm freaking out after I made my project plan. What should I do? And I'm like, obviously right on time. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Let's just expect these things. Exactly. I wanted to share a super quick client story that illustrates exactly what you were talking about with the like mysterious things coming up and the capacity of the nervous system. And I want to say too, that this story, I'm like, I don't know the truth. So when I'm working with a client, I'm like, I don't know the truth of what's actually happening. I just have hypotheses that I can say, hey, my hypothesis is this might be happening. What do you think? Yeah. Does that seem true? Yeah. So this thing happened with a client. She was working on this project and I was just looking back. One of the first things she said about the project was, it's so simple and straightforward. I almost think it's too simple. And I was like, red flag city, red flag city. I was like, nope, you do not come into a program called Half Finished to Done Live and then just have a simple, easy, straightforward project. And I was like, how much do you actually believe that to be true versus how much is that kind of like your wishful thinking? So then she hadn't finished her project and I was talking to her and I was like, what's up? Like, why haven't you finished your project? And she was like, well, I'm really questioning whether I want to be part of the online business world. And we were having this conversation. I was like, yeah, I get it. Like there's some real fucked up shit in the online business world. So we were talking about that. And then I stepped back and I was like, wait, wait, this is real interesting timing. Is it really that you don't want to be part of the online business world? Or is it that you don't want to finish the last segment of your project right now? And maybe it's both. That timing of that epiphany and that aha moment is really interesting when you're about to finish this quote unquote easy project. And so I would think of that as part of a fight response. So I would think of that as negative chatter that you don't need to coach on. And one way to work with that, one of my favorite ways to think about this is like, if I got this idea in a moment of alignment, I can trust the idea. Maybe not a hundred times out of a hundred, but let's say 99 out of a hundred, that idea was inspired. That idea was larger than me. It was from the universe. It was, that was an important thing for me. And so I'm going to trust that. 
And then if you're thinking all of a sudden, I don't think I want to be part of the online business world. What I might say as a coach is like back during live when we were doing this and when you joined, how were you feeling about the online business world then? Where was that then? Well, I didn't really think about it. I do think that sometimes when we do this stuff, it does bring up like when we do things out of integrity, like, I don't know that I want to be a part of this or I don't, you know, I would look at, you know, some of the things we talked about in the beginning of, of this conversation, like, what are you thinking you need to do? What is it that you're seeing in the online business world that you're thinking you need to do? Maybe there is a part of this project that is a part of that that feels out of integrity or you don't ever have to do anything that you don't want to do, but to divorce yourself from an entire world and decide that everything in that world is wrong when a few weeks ago you didn't have that, like that's a pretty big disparity. How about we just don't do shady online things? Or I might coach them, I might talk about like the reality of, oh, do you want to see people in person and like get dressed and go places? And then they'll be like, oh, no, of course I don't want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'd rather sit around in my joggers. Turns out online business world might be pretty amazing after all. (laughs) I love that. All of it comes down to like, if you were feeling safe and inspired and connected, would you still be thinking us? Yes. Such a good question. Let's find out. Let's get you safe and inspired and connected again. And then let's check. Let's get you home and then check your thinking. How much of this is still there? Yeah. Okay. I freaking love that. I'm like a little impromptu coaching session here. And the thing I want to add into this is if you are working on a project and during the course of that project, you feel out of integrity. I'm like, that doesn't mean the project is out of integrity. It means a piece of the project is out of integrity. Use the project process to bring yourself into integrity. Totally. So I was working on my website a few weeks ago and I have tons of trauma and emotion around technical work and website work. And so I was working on my website. I think I shared this with you actually. And one of the beliefs that I found in there, I was super resistant. And what I realized was, I was believing that I needed to have branded lifestyle, life coachy photography for my website. I don't like that, but I was believing that I needed that. And so my body was like, no, it was like not going to let me, which incidentally, I always trust your body. Always, always, always. If you don't want to do something, I always trust it. It's not the end of the story, but it is an important piece. So anyway, and so I, kind of processed it and sat with that. I was like, what danger am I detecting? What am I thinking I need to do that I don't want to do? Oh, I'm thinking I need lifestyle photography. Once I realized that and that came to the surface, I could be like, oh, we don't do lifestyle photography anymore. We don't believe that anymore. You don't have to do that. And then my whole body relaxed. So we don't have to throw out the whole website redesign. We can just throw out dumb pictures. Right. Oh, that's such a good example. Yeah. Having a website, not out of integrity. Having shitty pictures you don't like, that's out of integrity. Right. Yeah. It's like looking at it as your project as a whole and also the sum of its parts. Yes. So as a whole, is it that that feels out of integrity? That's something to look at. Or is it that one or two parts of it? That's super helpful. So to close this out, I actually want to loop back to something that you mentioned earlier which is this idea of detecting danger, the online world, the internet being full of danger. Can you just articulate what you see as the biggest things that spin people out and what they can potentially do about that? Okay. So there's two fears that I see come up all the time. 
at the core of both of these fears seems to be a sense of helplessness. So I do want to say that, that at the core of, of all of it seems to be a helplessness. But what you may be able to identify more easily, and this, what this will do is it'll help you be aware that you're in a danger state. Especially, like I said earlier, it's like if you're super freaking out, you know you're super freaking out. But if you're just like a little freaking out, it doesn't seem like freaking out. It doesn't seem like activation. It doesn't seem like your nervous system is activated. It seems like you're just being logical. Okay. So let me just give you some things to watch for. So the two fears that I see coming up over and over again are the fear of feeling trapped and the fear of rejection. And what this, how this shows up around business and online business. So trapped, I don't want to pick a niche. I don't want to pick a project. I don't want to commit. I don't want to stick to it. I don't want to sit still. I don't want to work in that work time. Those are all come down to probably a fear of feeling trapped, stuck, unable to move. A lot of energy in there that wants to go somewhere and you won't let it. You probably have lots of experience in your life of being told to sit still and trying to sit still. The heart of all of that is feeling trapped. Any sense you have that you, you need to get away from people, it's probably from a feeling of feeling trapped. Okay, so all of that stuff that people deal with, the niche, the niche, the commitment, all that, it's probably around feeling trapped. The other one is the fear of rejection. And that shows up with, I don't want people to talk shit about me. I don't want to be canceled. I don't want to disappoint people. I don't want to look bad. All of the stuff that comes up around visibility. And then there's also, I don't want to get too successful and leave people behind. I don't want to be left behind. They probably have a sense of rejection in your course when some people are doing really well and they're not. There's a real, you know, feeling separate and different. So some people spend most of their time in fear of rejection or disconnection. A lot of people don't think of it like rejection. So I just think of anything in terms of disconnection or people related. And some people spend lots of time in trapped. They try to get away from people. They try to get away from stuff. They can't get enough freedom. If you're like craving freedom or space, you're probably feeling trapped. I'm just giving you all sort of buzzwords to think about in your brain so that you can be on to yourself. Some people spend more time in rejection. Some people spend more time in trapped. Some people just cycle between both of them. Some people feel one way around business and another way with their kids and another way with their partner and another way with their mom. We have lots of parts of us and lots of aspects of us and none of this is static. So we don't have time to fully delve into right. <laughs> quote unquote curing, which is probably a terrible word choice. Both of those things, separate podcast episode, we'll do a follow-up. My favorite word is resolve. We can't fix, we're probably never going to get away from it forever. We want to, anyway, I don't have a, if anybody has a better word than resolve, I'll take it. But that's the best I've got. Anyway, go. Right in on Instagram. Yeah. (laughs) So resolving, continuously resolving these things. We don't have time to do that here. But what can you leave people with before the next follow-up podcast episode to really work through the feelings of trapped and rejection? I would just be aware, like if you can keep it as simple as if you can buy into this concept, if I can convince you and sell you on the idea that if your nervous system is calm, everything works. And when it's not, things get janky. And if you're experiencing trapped and you can do anything to get yourself back home, you don't even have to like figure it out. You don't have to find his origin. You don't have to trauma heal. You don't have to talk about your parent. You can, and I will actually, but you don't have to. You could literally 
breathe, move your body and get back to work over and over and over again. So the self-coaching is, I think that I am detecting danger here. What do I need in order to feel safe again and get back to work? What do I need to get my brain back online and get back to work? It really is that simple. And you can take that as deep and as wide as you want to, but you don't actually have to if you can just keep redirecting your brain to, and I'm thinking I'm trapped and that's probably not true. Yeah. Breathe back to work. Let me give an example of trapped. And here's what I do. It's so simple. When I feel trapped, which I don't even use that word. So I'm trying to think what I would say. Stuck or obligated, constrained. Yes. When I feel that way, I just say, you don't have to do it. Yes. Whatever you think you have to do, you don't. It's just an option to not. And then I let my brain go there. And I'm like, no, really. Really, you don't have to do it. What would it look like to not do it? And then sometimes I give myself that relief. I'm like, wait, I don't have to do it. Okay. And then the other part, I just let that sink in. And then the other part of me is like, I think I'd like to actually. I'm like, okay, back to work. Sometimes it's as simple as that. I love that. We haven't even talked about, okay, so preview for the next episode. So I literally do not do anything that I don't want to do. I have zero capacity to get myself to do shit anymore. I just, I can't. Sometimes I wish I could a little bit. I can't. I literally will not respond to making myself do stuff. And so I literally do not do anything that I don't want to do. I don't feed my kids if I don't want to. I don't exercise. I literally do not do anything I don't want to do. And I'm like fairly functional and make good money and have a great life. So you can do exactly what you just decided and and get a pretty long way. I think you can get all the way that way. I'm banking on it because it's the only way I am able to function. Coming soon to a podcast near you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm like, like, I want to keep going, but we have to cut it off. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining. I knew that you would have, again, a really wonderful perspective. And I think that the way that you articulated the nervous system, that idea of home, showing people how to come back home through really practical strategies, talking about the reasons why we're not home sometimes, that really landed for me. Like it makes me feel so safe and comforted and cozy. So thank you. Thank you so much. I adore you, as you know, and I am so grateful for the work that you do in the world. Thanks for thanks for helping my weird compadres get shit done. We really need all the help we can all the yeah. help we can get. It's my honor and I appreciate you very lovingly and gently calling me out on things that you're like, hey. Be mindful of this. I think sometimes you do it directly, but often you're just out there in the world posting what you post. And I'm like, oh yeah, I need to be mindful of these things. So your work is really meaningful to me. Speaking of which, how can people follow up with your work? So my website, sarahyost.com might be completely updated by the time this comes out. Might not, but it's there and functioning. And I'm on Facebook, Sarah Yost and Instagram and TikTok, your emotions coach. Thank you so much for joining today. Thank you for listening to the Half Finished to Done podcast. If you're ready to become a self-assured repeat project finisher, the best place to work with me is in my eight-week group coaching program, Half Finished to Done Live. You'll leave our time together with one finished project and the skills you need to finish any project, personal or business in the future. Just head to peakcoaching.co slash HFD live for your next step can't wait to work with you.